At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. God, this feels good. This is the first Monday that we can actually recap regular season baseball. I'm so in on this. Baseball's back. Uh, just baseball show. It's been here. It's never left, but it, it feels back. It, it's back. I mean, it's just a different... I, I loved everything we did through the offseason. I think it challenged us a little bit. It was a fun way to see how deep we could dig. And I think it, it helped us figure a lot of things out about the show, honestly, like what works, what doesn't, uh, because we didn't just have constant 15 games every day to just give us content all the time. So I'm, I'm excited about being able to balance it. But man, it's a great feeling when you're like, what do we talk about? But the flip side is, how do we fit it all in? Like, what's the most important to talk about versus before it was like, we have nothing to talk about. What are we going to like kind of scrounge all up here? Now it's like, what do we have time to talk about? So that's the best feeling in the world. Exactly. And we can go like, I mean, we had the conversation on the phone, like, do we just go rapid fire through everything? Mm -hmm. The idea of rapid fire was such a foreign concept in the beginning of January. It was like, ah, shit, we can't go rapid fire because we have to ring the towel drive all it's worth because we're on day 80 of 99 where there's zero baseball activity anywhere. Um, But this was really fun. We had an opening weekend of baseball we got going last Thursday. Uh, You got our opening day recap. We're going to give you an opening weekend recap now. I'm Jack McMullen. He's Arm Layton. This is the Just Baseball Show for Monday, April 11th. And what we're going to do off the top, we're going to go through each matchup through the opening weekend. The Colorado Rockies are two and one. And then we're going to get to, you know, just some other stuff, some overarching headlines, some uh, trade rumors that I'm excited to debunk and all that stuff. So we'll just get going. Um, Let's start with your Giants and your Marlins. Um, I know those are like your two favorite teams. You're a Darren Ruff guy. (laughs) I am a Darren Ruff guy, but it's funny. Like I've been the guy that's been the downer, I guess, on the Giants, just because I know my team, dude. You know, I know when my team's going to be good and when they're not. And I feel like my team in San Francisco, they'll be solid, but I don't think they achieve everything that we think they might. That being said, Marlins and the Giants are not as far apart in terms of, I think, what the way they're constructed as people think. I think the bullpen's a big difference, obviously, but yeah. I don't think the Giants are lighting up the scoreboard this year, man. I, I really don't. I think situationally they do. Like, I think when you get a right-hander, they can go a little bit more lefty-heavy, but against a good left-hander like Trevor Rogers or against a good pitcher like Pablo Lopez that has the change-up that really stifles lefties as a reverse splits guy, I think the Giants are a little bit more vulnerable than they were last year. And uh, the Marlins on the other side, they kind of played the way you expect them to play. Low scoring games, situational hitting, like that's how they're going to try and win. And the bullpen has to hold up. And, you know, it kind of did this series. Yeah, we thought the Giants were vulnerable last year, though. And they turned into not being vulnerable. This does feel like a different team. No Buster Posey is massive. And like, not knowing what you're going to get from Brandon Belt is one thing. Not knowing what you're going to get from Brandon Crawford is another thing. And you try and plug and play some guys. Like Trevor Rogers started this Sunday game for Miami. Jock Peterson's not in the lineup. So you got yes. to rely on Elliot Ramos, who just came up and had a really solid MLB debut. I loved it, man. I mean, we were both, I know both of us, when we talked about him on the call-up, we're both like, I, I like him. I'm not worried about it. Like I, nothing I don't think changed with either of us. I mean, let me know if I'm speaking out of bounds, but I felt like you and I both were in the same boat where it was like, oh, he was just rushed. He shouldn't have been in AAA, but my long-term perspective on who he can be as a player hasn't shifted. Is right. that kind of where you were on him? 
Yeah, I was just thinking he was ahead of schedule in yes. terms of his minor league development and not ahead of schedule in a good way. Like that was not his doing. That was the yeah. Giants doing. And then all of a sudden we see him get called up and my initial reaction is, oh no, like why do they keep doing this? But I think in between the AAA struggles this offseason through camp, clearly he, he impressed the Giants team that knows what they're doing. When it, go, when it comes to handling prospects, handling development, doing things right, this organization does it right. So clearly they saw something they liked with Ramos. And I know it was just one game, but he seemed like a much more under control guy that AAA seemed sped up for him last year. Yes. Major League Baseball didn't seem too quick for him, at least in this game. And it's not like he was facing some pushover starter. He's facing Trevor Rogers. Right. He looks really comfortable up there and he looks great on the base fats. He can run. He looks comfortable in the outfield. So pretty interesting. If he is able to go for them, you know, and be a legit, even just above average outfielder with dynamic skills in terms of what he can bring to the table. He doesn't have to put it all together right away, but I think this guy could give them a huge, huge boost this year. 100%. And we were just talking about it before we hit the record button, like no Jock Peterson on the, in a lefty-lefty matchup. So you got to rely on Mauricio Dubon in center field and then yeah. Elliot Ramos making his MLB debut in left. If Ramos is really good, which he has the possibility of being, even if he's just fine, which he has a more likely chance of doing than not doing, that adds something, especially when you have lefty starters. Another lefty, just to wrap up with San Francisco, another lefty in this series, Carlos Rodon, I'm not going to be shocked if by the end of the year we're calling this the acquisition of the offseason. Yeah, it's it's really health dependent, man, right? Like that's, I don't think we have any questions about how good this guy can be and whether he can replicate what he did last year. I'm sorry, I'm not a big small sample size guy, but if you watch that start, you saw more than enough in terms of what he can do. Um, comfortable, easy, upper 90s, nasty hammer. Like he was, he only needed two pitches and that Marlins lineup was just out of whack and uncomfortable. And look, this was a team that put up better ABs against Logan Webb got Anthony Discofani out of the game in the fourth inning. It's not a great offense, but they were okay in the other two games against Rodon. They were dominated and he is a legit, legit dude. My final thoughts on the giants. I think Ramos is a huge X factor for them because when you have the lefty on the bump, this is a team outside of rough. Mike Yaskremski wasn't in the lineup today. Uh, Jock Peterson wasn't in the lineup today. They can't be Uh, Crawford's numbers take a little bit of a hit. Like that's, that's a team that definitely takes a big hit with the lefty on the bump. They used to have a little bit more platoon options there. We'll see when Lamont Wade comes back. That'll be a big boost. But yeah. I mean, the Giants will be a good team, but I think the Marlins convinced people at least, or at least showed me that they can be pesky. They can be a little pain in the ass. They're not going to go away lightly. Um, and maybe one of the reasons they did struggle against Carlos Rodon was your boy Jazz Chisholm wasn't in the lineup game too. Yeah, I had a feeling that was going to be the uh, transition to uh, to Jazz there. Uh, yeah, the Marlins decide to bench Jazz game two. That was a big talking point, uh, at least in the Marlins circles. But then I did see Ben Verlander and then some other personalities start tweeting about it because yeah. Jazz Chisholm retweeted a lot of fan tweets from faceless accounts, which you usually ignore those as a professional athlete. Yeah. Uh, retweeting like, why isn't Jazz Chisholm in the lineup? Do these guys even care about winning? What is Don Mattingly doing? I'm paraphrasing, but it was essentially along those lines. Mm-hmm. It was like Jazz Chisholm Jr. retweeted this. Like, that's not how you do it. I think there was no reason why Jazz should have been on the bench. I think everybody agrees on that. But what are we doing taking it to Twitter here? Game two of the season. Game two, when apparently Don Mattingly's MO is – get everybody in in the first series, see what you've got a little bit, which I think is kind of weird and old school in Little League, but don't agree with it. But at the end of the day, if you know that's the philosophy and also Jazz, splits aren't that bad, but obviously better against righties. Why are we pitching a fit game too when you haven't really proven anything yet? He's played one full season of Major League Baseball and he had a 96 OPS plus. You can't bitch about getting sat game two if your manager is notorious for for playing everybody in the first series. Yes. Yeah, it's like a known thing. The Marlins talked about platooning. There's no reason Jazz should platoon. Let's be honest, though. Like, he should be playing every day, and he should be getting an opportunity to turn into that potential above average or even all-star ceiling that he has. We all agree that he has that kind of upside. But at the end of the day, if you get benched one game because they want to go with a veteran, John Birdie, I don't agree with it, but you are a guy who had an average season as a rookie, and that's all you've proven. 
just because you Euro step to home, just because you're flashy. Yeah, but that's sick, dude. Yeah, it's <laughs> so cool. I love Jazz. Don't get me wrong. I love what he brings to the game. But I'm going to call a spade a spade. And until you are a can't-miss superstar, this isn't John India even getting benched, right? This was John India was somebody that was producing out of the gate, above average, yeah. legit bat from the get-go. Jazz has had great spots, but consistency is what keeps you in the lineups, not flashy spots. That makes you actually a platoon guy. Another guy with zero track record, like this is not sitting Bobby Witt either. No. Like Jazz Chisholm is not not close to the capital that Bobby Witt has built, and, and Bobby Witt has played 120 fewer games than Jazz Chisholm at the big league level. Like I, I don't understand the concept of pushing back on a Hall of Famer and your manager. Game two of the season. Now, if it happens again, if you sit two of the first five games, you know, then I guess you could talk to him behind closed doors in his office. But maybe that's outdated for me. I don't know. I just wouldn't be retweeting Ben Verlander's thoughts that he should be <laughs> playing game two. Yeah, it, it is actually kind of crazy, Jack, that Don Mattingly isn't a Hall of Famer. Really? You didn't know that? No, I didn't know that. He's not a Hall of Famer. He's I thought he was a Hall of Famer. Everyone does. It's if you Google is Don Mattingly a Hall of Famer, like the I'm pretty sure the the question or the answer would be like bizarre, but no, because the back injury has cut his career short. Still ridiculous that he's not. I think he is, and I'm not even saying this to correct you. It's just I actually think he's gonna get in through the through the what is it? Senior the vote? committee. What's the committee again? What do we call it? I'm yeah, already the senior them. vote or the, the senior vote or the veterans committee. Veterans, veterans committee. committee. That's veterans right. committee. But regardless, he should be a Hall of Famer. He's esteemed as a Hall of Famer by his peers. He might as well be a Hall of Famer. He's Hall of Fame adjacent in terms of the respect that he commands. He just had a documentary put up on him. Yeah. It doesn't mean you can't question his decisions. Knock on the door and say, hey, coach, I just hit the game-tying home run or the go-ahead home run late in the ballgame. I've been raking all spring. I've been really good. Why am I not in the lineup today and talk it out? Uh, maybe he did that and he still wanted to retweet anyway. To me, it's just a little bit of immaturity. It comes with the flash that you're going to get, unfortunately. Uh, yep. But he's looked great this series. Jazz looked really freaking good. And he played today like he had something to prove. And maybe that's a good thing for them to have over there. Not And to clarify before we move on to the next thing, I think you and I are just trying to make it clear that we don't think Jazz is going to be bad or we don't think that Jazz can't be an all-star. It's just you got to conduct yourself as who you have been so far in your career. And so far, he's a guy that had a 96 OPS plus, like you said, and that's it so far with, with a lot of errors. That's it. I mean, the maturity just has to tick up a teensy bit there. And like social media is the thing that does that to people. I, I absolutely stand behind that. Social media is a terrible place. Granted, like that's where we get a lot of our publicity. Um, but I think everybody on social media admits that most times social media sucks. Yes. yes. So there we go. Moving on. Um, Pablo Lopez looked really good. Last thought on the Marlins. Yeah, that was huge because he looks shaky in the spring. He's a guy that has to be healthy. The shoulder can get twinged up a little bit. Changeup was phenomenal. Fastball below was more in the mid-90s, and he diced up a, a pretty solid Giants lineup against, against right-handed pitchers at least. Uh, that was a really impressive outing for him. Yeah. Um, next series, we'll go a little bit quicker here. White yeah. Sox, Tigers. Um, my White Sox look good. I like that they survived without Tim Anderson. Tim Anderson came back in the first pitch he saw this year. He laced down the left field line for a double off of an improved Tarek Skubal. Uh, Luis Robert is the truth. My main concern with the White Sox is the pitching depth falls off like crazy. And now you've got Lucas Giolito headed to the IL with an abdominal strain. It is Dylan Cease and nobody else. And I know you could say, Jack, listen, Michael Kopech just started his first game in, you know, however many years. And I understand he made some spot starts last year, but he is a member of the rotation for the first time since, what, 2018, 2019? Yeah. Kopech, what he did yesterday, not sustainable at all. 62% fastball percentage, 30% sliders, 7% curveballs. Yeah, I mean, you can't do that. Unless you're spotting, right? Or unless you're spotting. like, that's never been Kopech's game. Rodon can do that, right? Like Rodon can, and Rodon throws harder than Kopech now. Just to put things in perspective, that Kopech could throw harder in, in relief stints, but so could Rodon. Rodon throws harder than Kopech. And I don't think Michael Kopech's ever going to get back to that easy triple digit. It's still easy mid nineties that can touch upper nine, upper nineties and maybe grab a few triple digits, but 
Kopik's got to be a more complete pitcher now. He's not going to be able to just gas guys up and 60% fastball isn't the way to do it. Uh, it's going to be a struggle for him if that's the way he approaches it. I, I totally agree. I don't think it's sustainable. I'm worried. And Cease looked like a Cy Young caliber pitcher in his start. Like Cease was amazing, but Giolito was leaving changeups letter high. And I know that that's part of his game, but it's still not good. That's still, I don't think, where he wants to put his changeup. Um, I'm really worried, especially with Lance Lynn out for a couple of months. Uh, you know, we're going to see Dallas Keuchel and Vince Velasquez a couple of times through this rotation, and that is not a team that can win a World Series. Do you think there's any urgency here from the White Sox to, to, to go make a move? Because there was a fun headline we saw. There was a fun headline. And the headline was, I saw it on MLB Trade Rumors, so I'm not sure who it, who it was credited to. I just saw the MLB Trade Rumors headline. It was... Oakland A's interested in Andrew Vaughn, which is really funny to me because it was the most backwards upside down world thing I've ever seen. When do you ever see, I know he's not a prospect, but when do you ever see rebuilding team is interested in really good teams, good young player. Uh, if, if we're deep into trade talks, maybe, but otherwise that was such a weird specific headline. Yeah. I think they know that they're trying to bait the white Sox into Vaughn for Frankie Montas. Um, that's exactly what's going on here. But the Oakland A's are interested in Andrew Vaughn. I'm interested in being rich and not working four jobs. Yeah, well, it sounds fun. <laughs> I mean, dude, like, I don't care. You suck, Oakland. You just blew everything up. And now the one guy you have left, you are trying to get picky. Come on. Like, what, what are we really doing here? You, so you don't think that they can command... I'm with you, but you don't think that they could command Andrew Vaughn in a Montes trade? I don't think the White Sox are that desperate. Even well, Pollock getting hurt changes everything. Yeah. Pollock pulling the hammy. You don't know how long that's going to be. And it's not like Pollock is 24 years old right. and he has a little bit of injury history in, in his career. That's what really makes it seem like, even though we hate Andrew Vaughn and out in the outfield, you still got to have some sort of emergency options on the roster. And now it looks like he's going to get some more run out there potentially. Yeah. yeah. But there's no other way that the white Sox get Frankie Montes. It's not like they can deal from the farm. It's tough, man. Like I would say sheets, but sheets is not enough to go get Montes. Nope. Sheets and two prospects is not enough. The only way you get him, I think is with Andrew Vaughn. It's hard. It's hard. What if, they, what, what if they threw in, not to spend too much time on the White Sox, but what if they threw in like a decent outfielder? Not Oriano. Not Oriano, but who else does Oakland have out there? I mean, shit, like Tony Kemp or something? Yeah, he's not even. Yeah, yeah. What if they threw in Tony Kemp? Because Kemp can play the outfield a little bit. He can bit. play everywhere. Um, like Montas and Tony Kemp for Andrew Vaughn. You would have to think about it. You really would have to think about it because the offense is good enough without Vaughn. Um, or are you going to lose a ton of games 12-10? What about Chad Pinder? Like, it's tough, dude. Like that, I, that helps. I know he's not exciting, but if you're getting a front-line arm and Chad Pinder at least plugs in, plays better defense than you'd get from Vaughn, won't hit as much, but he still can swing it a little bit. He's off to a pretty solid start, I think, this year. Not, not the worst thing in the world. I got to see Keiko and Velasquez once before I say yes to this trade. Okay. Is fair. that fair? It's fair. Um, the Tigers may be in some trouble if the pitching isn't where we thought it might be. Dude, I, I, you know where I stand on that. I, I, I just don't think they're going to be good. They're heading in a great direction. Things look, look good overall for the future. But too much riding on the shoulders of Eduardo Rodriguez. Did you think and, he looked good on Friday? No. I thought he looked terrible on Friday. No, I, I thought he looked really bad. Um, but it's okay. It's first start with a new team. He could be okay. And it but was cold as hell. Yeah, it was cold, but still a lot riding on his shoulders as well as Casey Mize and Mize. <laughs> you're kind of winning the fifth battle right now, though. Casey Mize versus Bailey Ober. I took well, over was not great. Over was not. We'll get there, but yeah, it's going to be close. It's going to be a showdown. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> no, if Detroit really wants to compete, it's not going to be with this current staff and unless Matt Manning, or Casey Mize makes a big leap. This team's just not there yet. Just not yet. Yeah. Um, Brewers, Cubs at Wrigley. I don't have many takeaways from the Cubs' first three games. I don't think, you know, I, I thought this was kind of fluky, but my main takeaway from this series was 
what the hell happened to the Milwaukee Brewers starting rotation? I'm going to give you a rundown of, of Burns, Woodruff, and Freddie Peralta. Corbin Burns on opening day, five innings, three earned runs, four strikeouts, three walks. Yeah. Brandon Woodruff there. sucked. Couldn't get out of the fourth, six hits, seven earned runs, just two punch outs, and three walks. Freddie Peralta, four innings, three earned runs, four walks. Nobody could throw strikes of those top three. No. Um, it was, again, really crappy environment. I think it was cold, a little rainy, obviously windy. I'm not making excuses, but for all three of those guys to, to look the way they looked. Against a bad lineup. Against a lineup that's not good at all. And got to give credit, though, to the Cubs. Seiya Suzuki really settled in. After his first couple ABs, the rest of the lineup, Nico Horner came up big in some spots. They had guys that put together some really good at-bats, but I I don't know. I I would never have expected all three to stink in their first outings. I'm not worried, though. Are you worried after after one start from each of these guys in in a weird spot environment? No, like, again, Spencer Torkelson didn't look good because the weather was shitty. He's going to be good when the weather warms up. Show me their first start at a roof closed American family field. And if they stink there, then, then we'll slam the panic button. I'm cool with that. I will say that Woodruff looked horrid. He looked and, terrible. And to build off of that, you know how bad he was in the spring. Woodruff Brutal. individually, I'm, I'm worried about the other two. I'm not Woodruff to, to wrap up on the Brewers this spring, three starts, 11 and two thirds innings, 16 hits, 14 earned runs, six home runs, Four walks, 12 Ks. So 1.7 whips. Small sample size, I know, but to follow up a, an 11 ERA spring with a shitty performance in his first start, seven earned runs. I mean, dude, that is, that's 21 earned runs in his last 15 innings. Yeah. That's horrible. That's scary. He's also a terrible actor. The, the MLB network commercial with him and Dan Plesak. <laughs> oh, we're, oh, we're piling. God. Oh, yeah. Those commercials really suck. It's so bad, dude. They really so suck. bad. They really suck. I mean, like, who would have thought that, like, MLB Network studio hosts would be such bad commercial actors? Because, they're yeah, they're really poised in every other they're great on television. And the ESPN guys were great in their ads. Oh, like the This Is Sports Center stuff? Yeah. I wonder what happened. I, don't, I wonder what happened, too. Uh, Texas and Toronto, that was north of the border. The Blue Jays are going to put runs up. Dude. And I keep saying that, but this is this team can hit the ball. I mean, today on Sundays, we're recording this. Vlad Guerrero Jr., 467 foot bomb, 118 miles an hour. And then he hit one 115 miles an hour. And Matt Chapman smashed one too. This offense could break records this year. Would not be surprised at all. On the other side, the Rangers are going to put runs up. <laughs> the problem is their pitching is, is as thin as any in baseball. But fun to watch them swing it. They were a team that seemed lost in terms of their direction. So to see them at least be able to give you fun, firework-filled baseball, it's good for the fans in the new stadium. Bear with it. They have some pitching reinforcements. Jack Leiter looked phenomenal. Oh, my God. Three and seven punches. It's a joke. And Cole Wynn's knocking on the door. Their pitching will – and also Owen White. Yeah. All guys that are in the upper minors – the pitching will come soon. Enjoy the fireworks show and just enjoy a, a productive season from your offense and get ready for the pitching to come together. It's not going to be this year. Yeah, and John Gray's slider looked pretty decent on opening night, but, I mean, you went John Gray, Dane Dunning, Spencer Howard. Yeah, to me that says we're not doing it this year. <laughs> I don't think Chris Young's going to pretend that he thinks that they can do it this year. I, that was the craziest thing with, with Derek Jeter when he would be like, yeah, I think this team could do something with the Marlins. And I was thinking, no way you actually think that. No shot. No shot. Um, are you concerned about Jose Barrios? No, I, I, I don't think you are either. I know you're a big Barrios guy. He's just too talented. Yeah. He's 28. Like, it's tough. It's tough because he looked bad on opening day. And, you know, you make this grand return to a fully packed Rogers Center and the place looks great, and like it's gotten a facelift and all that, and Barrios is on the mound top of the first. 
and he just can't get out of it. And like, that was not inspiring to see whatsoever, but I could absolutely see him coming out, you know, four or five days from now and, and dealing again. Well, here's the interesting thing too, is we got to remember that the spring is shortened. A lot of these other pitchers, maybe they're guys that need 20 innings in the spring. Barrios had eight. Woodruff had 14 or whatever the number was I said earlier, something along those lines. Maybe these are these are dudes that really like to have more innings under their belt before the season starts. So for some of these guys, it's almost like they're still in spring training mode. Barrios was bad. I mean, he, he didn't even get out of the first, right? But after what was a really bad 10, eight spring training innings for him, I still think he's just working out the kinks. It's just not a lot of innings. Yeah. No, I'm with you. Um, all right, moving on to Philly and Oakland. I didn't take much away from this series. Like, this is one that, for the most part, I stayed away from, but I did keep tabs on Gene Segura playing really well. He hit two bombs this series. Like, Gene Segura, you know, he is lost in a lot of things, and he's never been top flight except for that one year that he that finished. Like, I'm sure he finished top 10 in MVP voting that one year, but Segura since then has just kind of been skating by in this, you know, certain quagmire where like he's not the best in the game, but he's also not a liability. I mean, this guy just hits like he flat out rakes and he's a walking 300. He's a 21.4 F war guy at this point in his career. He's still only 31, 32, I believe now just turned 32 this month. So, or this past month, that's, that's a guy that has a very good career. He could compile 35 F war and have a phenomenal career. And I know for those that aren't all in on the analytics, like Jack said, he hits 300 every year. He gets on base at a decent clip. He's not going to walk a ton, but high average. He'll sprinkle in a few walks. Doesn't K. Will run into homers, especially in Philadelphia. I really think this guy is one of the more underrated bats in the game. And I said this the other day on Twitter, and we knew that this was going to be the case with this team. Everyone knew that Philly's offense would be electric, but really watching them in a row and you try to put yourself in the mind of the pitcher, you don't get an at-bat off until you get to maybe Matt Veerling, who I don't even think is bad. No. You don't get an at-bat off in that lineup. Your at-bat off, quote-unquote, would be Bryson Stott slash Alec Bohm, which they're going to always put one of the two in a better situation, usually Bryson Stott. Yep. And then Matt Veerling, who can put the bat on the ball. Yep. No, I, I'm, I'm in on this lineup. You know, watching it through the first couple of games, I know Harper kind of struggled a little bit this opening weekend. I know Castellanos kind of struggled a little bit this opening weekend. I don't care. Um, you know, against Oakland, like, yeah, maybe the sirens are going off because Oakland sucks now that they tore it down. But I do like this lineup. And I think, you know, once we get into that warm weather, a late May, early June, and the ball starts to fly a little bit more off the bat. I mean, these guys are going to put up crooked numbers constantly. They're fun. They're fun. They're going to be probably the closest thing to that Marlins team that I loved, not to relate it back to the Marlins, but you remember Dan Agua, Hanley Ramirez, Jorge Cantu, Mike Jacobs, the only infield to have 25 home runs across all of it until the Braves just did it this year. That team was also one of the worst defensive infields we've ever seen. Who cares? Who cares? That was a team that made me, after 03, I really started paying attention even closer as a kid, six years old, seven years old, that 2009, 2010, 2011 span, that Marlins team really made me fall in love with baseball. And it was dingers and errors. And I loved it. And the (laughs) Phillies, I think there's going to be other kids out there that fall in love with this Phillies team, even though they might not make the playoffs. So finish just shy, but they will be so damn fun to watch that everybody will still support them. I think Philadelphia will really like this team, even though they might be frustrating at times. Okay, so if you were a father in the eastern Pennsylvania area and your son invited a kid over for a play date and you asked him who his favorite baseball player was and he said Nick Castellanos, what are you doing? Are you allowing that kid to stay over for the play date or no? <laughs> Absolutely. That's good taste. Yeah. I, I like him, right? Nick Castellanos. It, what answer says, ah, oh, you got to go home. Let me call your mom. D.D. Gregorius. <laughs> That's fair. You're going home, kid. Yeah. Aaron Nola? Nah, Aaron Nola is still fun. He's electric. He's nasty. Ranger Suarez? I'm in. Like, I'm, I'm that's a good answer to get over for a sleepover night one. 
absolutely. You could get extra ice cream too. The only, the only answer that I, I'm saying my son can't hang out with that kid is D.D. Gregorius. Absolutely. How about Mick Abel? Now he's deep nasty. cut. That smart kid. Smart, smart kid. kid. <laughs> then, then, then I'm hiring him. That kid gets the analytics. That kid gets a job. Um, Orioles raise at the trop. The Orioles are going to be non-competitive. Um, but my big takeaway from this series is Shane McClanahan is a stud. He's not going anywhere for the next 10 years. That might be one of the few guys that the Rays hold on to. The guys that are that elite that they can lock up, they do it. We saw it with Wander. I think this might be their pitching version of that. Dude, they, his shit looks so good. Because it gets to the point now, Shane Boz or Shane McClanahan, if you could only extend one. McClanahan for me. I agree. Take the lefty, the flame-throwing lefty. I would too. And you know how we feel about Boz. So I'm with you. Orioles, their offense is slowly getting better. Getting Adley back will make me want to watch them a lot more, though. I'll be oh, honest. Yeah. I'll be oh, honest. Yeah. Call up G-Rod soon too, and, and I'll pay attention a bit more. But I'm always keeping tabs. Yeah, I mean, the pitching sucks, though. Like, it's, it's, there's it's no way around, around it. it. It's a joke. And they could make it better if they wanted to. They just signed Matt Harvey. I'm sorry. To me, that's the white flag. That's the white flag. <laughs> That's absolutely the white flag. Is he going to be a Norfolk Tide or a so. uh, minor league deal? As far as I think, if I remember correctly, minor league deal. Okay. So he's going to be a Norfolk Tide with the possibility of being a Baltimore Oriole. Good to note. Uh, Tampa, any other big takeaways? Wander had a good opening weekend. Not much. Tampa's going to Tampa. They're pitching right now. They, they don't have everybody. Yeah. I think they're going to start to get everybody together again. They extended Margot. So it looks like they kind of have their outfield together. My big takeaway is Josh Lowe is ready. I loved the ABs yeah. I saw. I loved how comfortable he was. Really, really good all-around approach. The defense out there is so much better than Austin Meadows. The speed gives a different dynamic to the game for them, and he looks comfortable at the plate. That is a dude that could make a huge difference for the Rays. Yeah. Uh, Mets, Nats. The Mets have some good complementary pieces in that rotation. Um, Scherzer is a little banged up, obviously. DeGrom is not, you know, pitching for the next month or two. Uh, Tyler McGill had an amazing start on opening day. And then Carlos Carrasco probably just turned in his best start as a Met. Gave up a lot of hard contact, but he did get a lot of swings and misses. He doesn't need to be much more than a four, really, for them. That's all he needs to be. He just needs to be a serviceable starter. And if he can put together starts like he did on Sunday, Mets are in good shape. The offense is going to hit, and that's oh, that's dude. the exciting thing. A bunch of dudes getting hit in the face, but fortunately, Alonzo looks good. That grand slam on Saturday with the oh pimp bat twirl, we got a really cool angle of that on our Twitter. That was the one time I I maybe did 5% of our tweets uh, and highlights, maybe 5 to 8%. Yeah. Ethan Badowski did a phenomenal job. Oh one of our God. writers on it. social media killed it. Follow us on Twitter to keep up with with all of the highlights and stuff at just BB media. I sprinkled in a few too. I was having a good time, but Ethan set the standard really high, which is the problem. So yeah. then I had to, I'm pretty lazy with it. I'll just be like, great catch by Jorge Soler <laughs> with the clip. point tweet yeah, tweet. Uh, but Ethan has all the emojis and like good punchlines and whatever. And yeah. now when I'm tweeting, I'm like, I, I, I gotta, I gotta do it now. I can't just have it be totally off of what it normally is. So our Twitter's just got stepped up a little bit. I got pressured into leveling it up. Pino Alonso looks great. Lindor looks like he is carrying through the spring. Thank mm -hmm. goodness he's okay after get taken one in the teeth too. The Mets are what we, we thought they could be. Again, it really just comes down to the health of Jacob deGrom. Yeah. Uh, Washington, there's literally nothing to be excited about aside from Juan Soto. Nelson Cruz homered. That was exciting. Okay. In game three, game one, the Nats lost 4-1, I want to say, and Juan Soto's solo shot was the only run production. Um, the pitching is uninspiring. Victor Robles made a nice catch. But I, Gary, Keith, and Ron, they made a great point about Victor Robles. They said he was kind of the same thing as Juan Lagares, right? You, you expect all these big, big things from him, and then you give him too much time and nothing happens. Yep. And that's exactly the case. Great, great defender. Flies. Bat never came along. He'll hang around for a long time because of the defense, but I don't think anybody's expecting that bat to come along at and, all. And what is that? That's not even a platoon guy. That no. That's a big league deal. That's one year, one and a half million dollars. Like they just signed, you know, Eri Adrianza to like, that's it. That's it. Unless he can find a way to put the bat on the ball a little bit. The, 
to wrap up on the on the nationals they started lucius fox at shortstop today tell me you're mailing it in without telling me you're mailing it in <laughs> yeah that's the guy from batman right lucius fox <laughs> lucius fox south florida guy then Is went he? he was and then played it like a genius i think his sophomore year he was an american heritage and you know it's a pipeline down in south florida and if i'm not mistaken he went to forget he went either to the bahamas i believe it was the bahamas back to where he had a lot of family from there it's where a lot of his family's from he might have originally been from there but the crazy thing is he goes back to the bahamas he did it early enough to where he qualifies as an international free agent good now you don't have to worry about where you're getting drafted the ball's in your court and he got a nice payday i think he got four five mil uh, as an international free agent paid it played it like a genius and now he's in the big league so really exciting for him but he played it genius out of the gate. I got to tip the cap to Lucius Fox or whoever his agent was. Damn, that's what George Valera did. Valera was up in the Bronx. He went back to the DR, I want to say, when he was 13. And there were some family matters that, that caused him to do that. But this was a guy living stateside that went back to the DR and signed as an international free agent. Fox got six point five million. How about that? Good and Valera, Valera got Fox. a Valera got a couple mil too. Great move, but. Lucius Fox was at one time rated higher than Juan Soto. I believe they were in the same class. Jesus. Okay. Yeah, I think they missed something with Soto. Uh, but they're in the same lineup now. Yes. <laughs> one of them's yeah. playing short, one of them's playing right. When you're in T-ball, the better player plays shortstop. And, and the Nationals are basically a T-ball team. Yeah. Uh, hey, the Reds don't suck. Tyler Malley looked amazing. I, I got a call into Mo Egger, uh, the show yeah. in, in Cincinnati. Great radio show. He, he did a great job. I, I had a blast on the show. They brought me on just to be like, hey, circus clown, come on here and perform your show where you tell us all that the Reds aren't that bad and the trade of Jesse Winker wasn't that bad. And then I did it and everyone was like laughing in amusement. Well, look, they might not be that bad. The Braves are a great team. They beat up on a very good Ian Anderson. They hung in there the whole series. I might be wrong on Hunter Grammy. He still gave up his home runs, but this is the MO with Green. He's going to give you quality starts, but it just is whether it's a solo shot or a three-run shot. That's how it's going to be for him out of the gate. The Reds aren't bad, and they're only going to get better, I think, as the year goes on, as some other prospects might be able to help, especially on the pitching side. And they might go make a little quiet move here or there. This team is not bad. I don't think they'll be much worse, if at all, than last year. I stand by it. Yeah, they split with the defending champs at Truist Park from Thursday to Sunday. Uh, what I will say is I am quickly becoming a Matt Olson stand. Like, he is one of my favorite players right now because this guy is like the villain in Atlanta. For no, if for like, it is so not his fault that he's coming into this position. But yeah, you let the franchise cornerstone walk in free agency. You bring in his replacement, who's a couple of years younger. And by a couple, I mean six years younger. And then you yeah. sign him to a big extension. Matt Olson through the first four games is hitting 571 with a 1600 OPS. No, he's insane. He's amazing. He is one of the best power hitters in baseball. The Braves objectively got better for the duration of Matt Olson's eight year deal. And like, listen, people are always not going to like Matt Olson in Atlanta, but he went to his hometown team. He got an extension and he's going to be a top two first baseman in baseball for the next six years. And that's that. That's it. And I'll be honest. I love Freddie Freeman. I think he has a ton left in the tank. I'm more nervous. Maybe this is just me. I'm not saying you have to feel this way. Uh, more speaking to the listener than you, Jack. <laughs> I'm more afraid than Matt, of Matt Olson at the plate than I am Freddie Freeman. Absolutely. At, at this stage, that's, that's the way it is. And the reality is Olson's 27, Freeman's 33. Great business move. And it's going to continue to pay off that way. I don't think it's an rea- overreaction to say that through the first four. Yep. Cleveland, Kansas City. Kansas City's pitching staff is in a terrible, terrible spot. Dude, it's it's not good. It's not good. I mean, you, you know, you can see Granky and he had a fine outing against an anemic Guardians offense. Um, and then you look at the rest of the young arms. I mean, <laughs> what, the combination of Bubich and Coar yesterday allowed 17 runs? It's a very good piggyback. Very good piggyback. Bubich, Coar. Oh, my God. Disaster. Dude. Disaster. And that's why I'm a little bit, they've got time to do it, but I'm a little bit floored that they're still letting this infield be crowded. We're seeing Bobby Witt Jr. make shortstop plays at third, and it it still continues to frustrate me because I want to see him at third. Game-saving play again over the weekend. But 
they should trade Nicky Lopez or Alberto Mondesi. It seems like Nicky Lopez should be the guy they deal and package him with a prospect or two. Vinny Pascantino's blocked right now. Those two guys could get you a decent arm. They could get you a decent arm. I don't know if teams are looking to trade starting pitching now. Might have to take a little bit longer. But the Royals have a competitive offense as is right now that will only get better, in my opinion, and they have reinforcements in AAA. Go get an arm. The ship has sailed on Jackson Coar being a legit starter, I think. I really do start to feel that way. Some of these other guys can figure it out, but you need to throw another iron in this fire because you're putting too much, too many chips forward on a couple of very unpredictable and volatile arms. So yesterday at a 17-3 home loss to the Cleveland Guardians, who might be the worst offense in all of baseball, um, Kansas City used five pitchers. Three of them were those young blue chip arms. Chris Bubich couldn't get out of the first inning. He got two outs. He allowed three hits. He walked two. He didn't strike anybody out. And he allowed five earned runs. Jackson Coar in three and a third allowed seven earned runs on 11 hits. Yep. Brady Singer threw the last three innings of a blowout game, six hits, four earned runs against him. It, you got to be terrified. You, you gotta, have to be. Also, what is Brady Singer doing in garbage time mop up relief? Maybe there's something I don't know. Maybe that's something that people covering are closer to the team know. That I'm might sure. be past us that we missed. There might be a reason they want to build him up, whatever. But this team has a lot to figure out in the pitching department. It's not like they have prospects knocking on the door either. Asa Lacey looked terrible in his first, first professional season, has time to figure it out, but his timeline got delayed. And Daniel Lynch didn't look great either. They've got a lot to figure out on the pitching side and the offense is already starting to come together. You've got vets that can swing it. You've got some top pro you have the top prospect in baseball up at the big league level. Now you have two other guys in Nick Prado and MJ Melendez knocking on the door. Are you really going to squander that opportunity in the next two years to really be able to compete offensively because you have no pitching and you didn't want to trade a couple of these infielders that to me don't really move the needle for you. Yeah. I just watched Prado and Melendez and Vinny Pasquantino this week in Indianapolis. Uh, Prado caught the strikeout bug a little bit, but he hit three bombs in the first week of the uh, AAA season, and they were all majestic. Um, I think it was like 435, another one was 440-ish, and then another one was just over 400 feet. MJ Melendez um, in the series finale on Sunday, when Oppo went to left as a lefty bat, that thing carried, I think it was 430. Awful. He gets crazy carry. It's unbelievable. It looks like he takes a swing off his front foot and he, he has so much force behind it and still gets so coiled, has so much torque that he really is making contact without his weight shifting forward. It almost just looks that way. And the carry he gets is stupid. Yeah. I watched an AB, I texted you about it, where he was, it was a battle against a nasty reliever and he shot maybe three fastballs upper 90s the other way for what would have been home runs just foul yeah just comfortable foul off foul off just shots the other way mj needs to be up there now we talked about that in the past but that's another dude can't help you on the mound uh, but yep. is going to make that lineup that much more formidable and that's that's exciting on the offensive side for them but won't help them this year I, i'm going to be negative about cleveland before i'm positive um, Zach Plesac, he had a really strong outing, five and two-thirds, three hits, no runs. He only struck out three, but he didn't walk anybody. I am going to say this about Zach Plesac. I test, he's not passing with flying colors. Like, Plesac, the, the fastball doesn't look good. His, his movement, his break, his command just don't look that strong right now. And I think it was just a crappy day. He's one of those pitchers that right now just looks like the dude that has just good enough stuff to skate by some starts and then other starts, he's going to get blown up and it's very dependent on just how he can get away with it and pitch out of certain jams. He doesn't, he doesn't look like the Zach Plesak uh, we saw before yet, but yeah. was a positive, was a positive and Cal Quantrill looked good as well. Didn't yeah. pile up the strikeouts, but didn't give up a ton of hard contact, five strong innings, two earned runs, only walked one and the offense it, the middle of the order is doing the damage. We, we saw that with Jose Ramirez, who's off to a ridiculous start. Stephen Kwan's off to a ridiculous start. Ahmed Rosario swung it well through the series as well, and he was a player that really had a strong finish to the year. That's a big X factor for them. I still think the Guardians are going to be fun, 
And I think they're going to be able to pitch enough, but it's fair to ask questions about their staff. What is Bieber going to look like? His velo is down. Is Tristan McKenzie's command going to come together? We saw him in relief. A lot of questions on the staff, but at least they have a lot of options. Yeah. Um, One last thought on Cleveland. Stephen Kwan has arrived. He is him. Five hit day on Sunday. Fast, fun, cool name, great bat to ball skills, throwback player. I'm always here for it. Boom. Uh, Seattle and Minnesota. My biggest takeaway from this series was the Buxton Correa tandem is must watch. It's that's the best way to put it. Uh, (laughs) That's the best way to put it. When I'm, I really base it on what I'm gravitating towards. What gives me a little, like a little feeling in my stomach when I'm scrolling through. Oh, that one. Yeah. Anytime that the twins are playing a half decent team, I get that feeling because they are just must see TV. As you said right now, Buxton has figured it the hell out. Oh my God, dude. But I tweeted something a little bit more nerdy about his swing breakdown. He is such a freak athlete with freak twitch athleticism and ridiculous strength that he actually starts coiled. He already starts almost the way most hitters get loaded. And you can see him rotating his body, coiling a little bit to fire up those, those muscle fibers. It's crazy. He starts the most pre-coiled I've ever seen. And doesn't have to move at all. It's the most insane, effortless bat speed I've ever seen. If he's healthy, the MVP award is his. Correa yeah. hit one four fifty eight on Sunday. And then the other fun thing is you got guys like Jorge Polanco who really can light it up and are fun. And then even Gary Sanchez, who we make yeah, fun of dude, all the he time. Hard. He had a 450-foot grand slam. There's going to be times where Gary Sanchez must see TV because it's hilariously bad. Or he's going to go 450 upper tank grand slam. So either way, I want to have the game on. I love it. Dude, Urshela was good this weekend. That's huge for them. He, If he's good for them, they're instantly a very fun wild card option. Easily. Uh, Seattle, what was your big takeaway from the weekend? What's up with Jared Kalanick? Is it yeah. too early? When do we do this dance again? Yeah. Uh, not doing it yet. Not doing it yet, but yet. Let, let's talk about some bad at-bats. Talk about eye test. Bellinger and Kalnick, in my opinion, have been two of the guys that have looked the most uncomfortable. Bellinger looks far. like shit. Be- Bellinger looks like he's, he doesn't know where he is. No. It's really unfortunate. It's hard to watch. It's really yeah. difficult to watch. You would never believe that that guy won an MVP. Oh, God, no. Um, yeah, what, dude, horrible. But Kalnick, we got to do this dance again. At what point do we get worried? And another, by the end of next week, it's it's like, okay, what's going on here? Are you a Tacoma Rainier? Yeah. It, they can't even do that again. They can't. They can't. Trammell's down in Tacoma. Well, that's different. I, that's, Are they going to trade him again? I don't want Trammell, like, I don't want him having to pick up and move all the time. I want Trammell I feel, to be able to buy an apartment instead of rent. I genuinely feel bad, but if I were him, I would never buy an apartment. Oh, God. Yeah, it's like that stretch with Ioannis Cespedes where he was on like four teams in a year. Um, I feel like he just never cared about that, though, which is the no, funny thing. No, I don't no. think I think he just wanted to hit baseballs. Yeah, he was like, I, I hit home runs. Let's go. Uh, Pittsburgh and St. Louis. I Not many takeaways on Pittsburgh. Key Brian Hayes, you know, after dealing with the wrist thing, he looked fine, um, which was nice. Huge. That was nice to see. Uh, St. Louis. Listen, Steven Matz might not be the answer. Three innings, nine hits, seven earned runs in the series finale on Sunday. I forgot I wrote something during the lockout that was titled something along the lines under baseball.com. The Cardinals have not even come close to addressing their pitching. Yeah. That was after Steven Matz, I believe. They're not close to addressing this thing here. Even with a healthy Jack Flaherty, this is – not a competitive rotation. It's yeah. not. Wayno looked great, but you cannot run this back with Wayno being your guy again. This is ridiculous. Go get a freaking starter. You could have before. Find a way. Find Go a get way. Frankie Montas right now. Let my white deal. house keep Andrew Vaughn. Let's go get Montas for I I don't know Nolan Gorman in another piece. Yeah, they'd never do it. They'd never do it. No, no, why? Don't know why. No idea. Huh. What about Newbar, Yepes? All of these dudes also that are really good complimentary pieces and deals that they could easily trade. Nope. Yeah, dude. I mean, they Sosa. Have, 
Edmundo Sosa, De Young looked great in the spring. De Young looks strong. What about Edmundo Sosa? You could package together a few guys. They could easily do it. They could God, easily they have get the assets to go get Frankie Montas, and they won't. So I don't know. Um, Rockies, Dodgers. The Colorado Rockies took two or three from the LA Dodgers. Who called that? Did you call that one? No, I didn't. Somebody else called it. Ethan Badowski might have called it. Did Ethan Badowski call that one? Anytime this team is playing at home, they are a threat. They're Dude. a threat. They're the 15 Rockies games above 500 last year. 15 over 500 last year. And that team sucked. This team at least doesn't totally suck. This team's totally exciting suck. as hell, dude. Like, I'm, I'm totally watching Rockies games. I'm watching a lot of Rockies games. Connor Joe has arrived. He's arrived. He's good. He can swing it. Rodgers, not the start that I was open for, but I still – he had two hard-hit balls on Sunday. And I, I believe in Rodgers putting it together this year. The rest of the lineup has been swinging it. KB seems to be fine at altitude. Connor Joe, as you mentioned, swinging it. McMahon is giving you already the classic McMahon slash line. Okay. So the four that you just mentioned, I genuinely find exciting. Like, I think they are genuinely exciting baseball players. Connor Joe, Chris Bryant, Ryan McMahon, and Brendan Rogers. I can tune into those guys. It's not on the top of my list, but I can. CJ Crone, I could actually watch it all day. He just barrels baseballs too. So I, I like this team. I agree. I, I think they're fun to watch. I also kind of like the Sam Hilliard roller coaster. Like he's going to strike out nine times, but he's going to hit a 480 foot jack. The 10 and he's, times. he can move too. He, he's just an interesting player all around. <laughs> I'm, totally I'm, I'm in on this team. God, especially when Veen comes up. Um, all right. Houston and Anaheim was a fascinating, fascinating series. I joked that Jose Altuve is a three true outcome guy now. Like I'm getting closer to that thought. Jeremy Pena looks comfortable. My big takeaway was the Saturday night pitching matchup, Syndergaard and Verlander. That oh, was a awesome. duel. Verlander is all the way back from Tommy John surgery. He said he wants to throw until he's 45. He looks like he can throw until he's 45. <laughs> Noah Syndergaard was really, really good. Would be so good for the Angels. Would be so good for baseball if Noah Syndergaard is, is back to Thor. Yeah. I, and Verlander, too. I keep saying that he's our modern-day Nolan Ryan, and if he throws to 45, he'll be that. Yeah, Verlander oh, yeah. will be our modern day Nolan Ryan. I love Verlander. I'm always happier when he's on the mound in terms of just being in the game and healthy. He took a little bit of extra time the way the timelines worked up or worked out. So he had even more time to get ready this year. So he's full fledged, ready to go. And you can see it. But if Cindergard is good, forget what it is for baseball. The Angels are a different looking team with even a 80% of prime peak cinder guard they have that at the top this team this team's a threat um are you concerned one bit about Shohei Otani through the first weekend no no he hit one 119 on Sunday yeah he, he's hitting the ball hard I didn't think his outing looked bad at all command no. is always going to be hit or miss with him the stuff looked great he was making guys look silly he'll be fine offensively I, I'm not worried about Otani and the other thing dude Kyle Tucker Oh my gosh. Every at bat, it looks like he's, he's going to barrel something. Yeah. Even his outs are loud. He is just a complete baseball player. Dude, I'm he telling you. so freaking good. That's how I feel watching Jordan too. I mean, every time, like Jordan could just stand there. He could take four straight balls and I'm like, wow, he's going to hit one one fifteen. I agree. And now imagine above average runner, gold glove potential in the outfield can play center if you need it that's why Kyle Tucker to me is just as complete as it gets, but Jordan is a walking quality at bat. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Ridiculous. Uh, second to last series, we got to go over um, San Diego, Arizona. I don't have any takeaways for Arizona. Nice walk-off bomb by Seth beer. Um, San Diego, you tweeted something late night on Saturday about CJ Abrams. Just tell me uh, what you're thinking about CJ. Uh, I was, I had a few drinks on Saturday night. Okay. I was coming you off say? of dinner. <laughs> Tell me I what don't you think said. I okay okay I will I will but let me prime it with this I don't think it's that crazy I'll double down on, on it right now oh but my god he it was his first career hit I quote tweeted the just baseball account which was the highlight of CJ Abrams hit I said feeling a little bit crazy it's Saturday night but 
I think this kid could have 2,999 more in him, which would imply that he hits 3,000. If there's how many characters, how many characters, how many players in the game are there that you think could sniff 3,000? Um, that's a good question. Wander Franco. Correct. Um, Flatty Jr. Fair. Ooh. I don't know. It's tough after that. Like, I don't think Julio Rodriguez is that guy. No, not many. I think that here's, might be it. Here's my thing with Abrams. He, it's all, it's a counting stat. It he's is. He's 21 years old. And now the, he started counting. He's already got one a hit on the board. He's going to play for what I think is 15, 16, 17 years. Because you have a guy that is a plus, plus, potentially plus, plus, plus runner yeah. with plus he's an 80 tool. grade runner. 80 grade runner and a potentially 70 grade hit tool, at least 60 and above average power. He's going to age gracefully. His bat to ball is so good that I just think as he slows down, he's still going to be somebody that could spray it all over. Obviously 3000 is insane. And that's why I said, this is a crazy tweet, but my, my larger point is, is if I had to bet on one guy to hit 3000, I'm between him, Wander. Wander would be number one, obviously. If I can't pick Wander, I might be going C.J. Abrams. Damn. Okay, Goodbye. now that I actually rack my brain thinking about who could possibly do it right now, I mean, I, I think that's it. Like, I don't even think Bobby Witt can do 3,000. Nope, he absolutely cannot. Yeah. Let's see how many hits, let's see how many hits C.J. Abrams has this year. Let's see, yeah. and, then, and then it'll be interesting to map out. That'll be interesting. Okay. And then last series we got to go over is Red Sox Yankees. Um, it, this has been a really, really good series. And honestly, my only takeaway from this series so far is the AL West is going, or the AL East is going to be a gauntlet. My big takeaway, which of course I agree with that a million and five percent. Yankees fans are going to learn to appreciate Anthony Rizzo very quickly here. Oh my God. Yeah. Not only is he clutch and just, brings a lot to the table offensively. I was at the game Saturday seeing how much he galvanized that stadium when he went yard, but he brings you so much of a veteran presence in the infield, whether it's making a big play, a big stretch, a big pick, uh, a big diving spot, whatever it is. Also just the way he commands the infield. He's the one going to the mound, talking to guys. He's the leader on that team. He's a difference maker. That's somebody that helps you make that leap not just on what he does on the field. You can just see the way Rizzo leads on and off. I, I think he is a huge difference maker. And then Stanton and Judge look good. And as yeah. long as that duo looks good. Stanton I looks love, so good. Sevy looked good yeah. given the circumstances. And the bullpen looks solid. Don't sleep on Ron Marinaccio. <laughs> he is top pride of Tom's River, New Jersey. He can freaking pitch. That bullpen's good. Chapman was hitting 100. Everything looks pretty good for the Yanks thus far. Who's the true pride of Tom's River, New Jersey? Is that Todd Frazier? Todd Frazier. So I tweeted about Ron Marinaccio. I said, this guy has legit closer stuff. And I copped the Todd Frazier retweet from that one. Let's go. Yeah, I love Todd Frazier. I had the, had the opportunity to meet him when I was 13 at some card signing. My dad took me early. So it was just us and Todd Frazier and the guy who orchestrated the signing. And Frazier talked me up, 12-year-old me, 13-year-old me for, for 20 minutes. super super nice guy just talking baseball with me and i always held on to that so i'm always i've always been a big fan of todd frazier great dude that's so sick what else do we have to hit i don't know red sox in general i mean the the red sox i wish we could talk about tanner Houck, but we're recording this as they're pitching so as he's pitching so i'm not sure how Houck is doing thus far Yavaldi is legit. Never really worried about him. So the Yankees good. will touch him up here and there. The lineup is good. The lineup is really darn good. Devers is going to be an MVP candidate every year. I'm still really struggling to justify the signing of Trevor Story, given their current pitching situation. But locking up Garrett Whitlock, big, big deal, I think, for the Red Sox, a team that's had a lot of turnover in the bullpen, that hasn't even had some stability in the rotation. Garrett Whitlock is a vital piece to lock up in your bullpen. I thought that was a great extension uh, for the Red Sox. I think I've seen enough to, to feel confident to give Garrett Whitlock a multi-year deal. 
Yeah, 2-1 Red Sox top of the fourth inning right now. I, I agree with you. Garrett Whitlock, if that's your closer, I think you're happy. I think you're hitting the pillow at night and you're sleeping pretty soundly. And if you go get a better closer, then you're very happy with, with him being your seventh or eighth inning guy too. He can go multiple innings. He can You can stretch him out. He, he's a great option for them. Absolutely. Um, one more shout out before we go. Roki Sasaki, the 20-year-old in Japan that just threw a 19 strikeout perfect game in the NPB. This is not out of nowhere, folks. Uh, me and Pete Flaherty were just texting about Roki Sasaki. Like I said, and I'll stand by this, he's going to win a Cy Young over here one day. Roki here. Sasaki, 20 years old, 19 Ks in a perfect game in Nippon Professional Baseball, which is the second best baseball league in the world. That's like doing Japan. it in double A. That's, that's like, like doing that's it. That's like throwing a 19 strikeout perfect game in double A if you're a 20 year old. Uh, Roki Sasaki was topping at 102 miles an hour. He sits at 100 with his fastball. He's got nasty breaking stuff. Like I've heard this is the most touted Japanese pitcher in recent memory. That's ahead of Darvish. That's ahead of Tanaka. That's wow. Otani levels. Roki Sasaki, when he gets posted, and that probably won't be it for another like four or five years, he'll come. Why, why not just do it now? It's going to be through the roof. I think his posting fee is going to be through the roof. Um, They're doing now. I'm not sure. Like, I, I think there's some legal stuff going on there. Um, I think he's going to get posted in the next, like, four years-ish. I think that's the timeline we're looking at. wait that long. I, I guess we, we can have watch him in Japan. Should, we, should I start breaking down his starts? Absolutely. Absolutely. But <laughs> on I'm the website, you, break down the starts. Dude, Rank him on the top 100. Sasaki. Yeah. I said rank him on the top 100. Absolutely rank him on the top 100. I um, I mean, dude, I heard of Sasaki last year and I sat there and watched on YouTube and watched on Twitter like every Roki Sasaki video I could find. And I was like, oh my God, he's, I'm telling you, he, he's Shohei Otani with the type of pitch movement that he has and he tops at 102. We're going to have some guys come back that you know players will go over to japan then come back they're going to come back and be like just wait till sasaki comes Dude, over here bravik valero was on the team that he just threw a perfect game against let's ask him someone's got to reach bravik out valero. find out what the deal is but that's a name to follow i'm i'm always here for it i love the international hype i don't think anybody will surpass the hype that dice k matsuzaka had at the so peak. sasaki might sasaki's a 20 year old and he just did this I know it was just, I agree. He probably will, but the Matsuzaka hype I'll never forget. Just people, he has 14 pitches. He throws a gyro ball. I was, I was 12 years old, just eating it all up. Oh my gosh. But no, I'm always here for an international player uh, taking the league by storm again. I mean, look at what Otani has done for this game. Dude, I'm thinking Roki Sasaki Arsenal. Let's see what he did. Um, yeah. 105 pitches. Topped at 102 miles an hour. Oh my God. He struck out 13 consecutive guys. He's got a fork ball. Dude, I'm all the way in on somebody with a fork ball. That scares me with the bow, but there's not, it's not totally proven scientifically. So it's I'm not in. totally proven. It's it like a splitter. Yeah, I know. Those freak me out. Feel your elbow when you do those. I wouldn't want to throw them, but yeah, it's gross. But oh well. Who cares? All right. That's it. We got top 10 shortstops tomorrow. That'll be me and Pete. And then you guys are doing top 10 outfielders on Wednesday, if I'm not mistaken. Ooh, outfielders. Get ready for that. Yeah. Say right. Suzuki, eight. Eight. <laughs> Andrew Vaughn, 10. Andrew Vaughn, 10. Oakland A, Andrew Vaughn, 10. By the way, quick complaint. Just watched Jesus Sanchez earlier today on Sunday. Take one of the worst routes I've seen to a ball in center field. That was just after Garrett Cooper's foot couldn't stand on first base. It's almost like defense matters. One last closing point I'll make, not just a Marlins-related point, baseball in general. Defense, I feel like, is severely underrated. It is so much easier for a baseball player to screw you consistently on defense than help you consistently on offense because – it's a game led by failure. Even the best hitters are hitting, as you know, three out of 10 times. Yep. And the worst fielders are hurting you every couple innings. And we're seeing that. I don't know why people continue to undervalue defense. And uh, the Marlins are the latest example of that one. We'll see how it shakes out for the Phillies as well. Yeah, let's see how the Phillies do. Uh, Phillies have, um, who do they have? Oh, they host the Mets this week. A couple of good series to watch this week. White Sox host the Mariners. 
Ooh. That'll be fun. Toronto is in the Bronx to take on the Yankees. That's going to be very fun. Um, and then you've got who? Dodgers Twins. That's must-see TV. That's must-see. I'm in. So that's Had a that. fun week. Fun week right. ahead. Pete and I will talk to you Tuesday. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.